I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan. This is American Conversations, and we are honored today to have our colleague and friend, Laura Logan, and Jason Jones with us. Um, we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit heavy for the holiday season, but it needs to be said because we're doing an event on human trafficking in Michigan on December 8th and 9th, and we'll get to the details on that. Um, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. Great to be with you. So, uh, you know, this is uh, when, when people start talking about 2024, there's certain topics that every four years I want people to start paying attention to, whether it's sex trafficking, Internet trafficking, organ trafficking, labor trafficking, the, what's happening at the borders and getting them to understand that there is what's happening at the border here. And it doesn't matter whether it's you know on the seas or it's the north or the south borders, that this is not an immigration problem anymore. This is criminal. Um, and this is this game has changed since 23 years ago when I first started investigating this topic. Jason, you've been on the border. Give people some. Uh, you're better to describe your background because you have been on the border and you've trained and you have worked. You're you come from Intel World and you've been embedded in the southern border. What is it that you have seen today that's different um, since let's say 2014? during the Obama administration, when there was a flow of quote unquote immigration, but it was really trafficking and smuggling at the same time then. What's the difference between then and now almost 10 years later? Sure, there's a few major tripwires that have taken place. First is that you've got people coming from countries all over the world. You know, in the last 10 months alone, people from 163 different countries, according to US Customs and Border Protection. Second, under the Biden administration, we've had approximately 10 million encounters, if you include the gotaways. I want to say that again to the folks out there. This is unprecedented. 10 million encounters. Now you overlay that with the fentanyl crisis and all the other crises that we've got, you know, crisis within a crisis, if you will. I will say it again and again, that what we are really witnessing is the largest U.S. intelligence failure uh, since 9-11. And make no doubt, the Mexican cartels and the synergy that they have created with organizations, both Middle East terrorist organizations and others all over the world now, represents, and, and, and I mean this, they truly, truly have uh, 
change the game in national security and public safety threat directly impacting the American people. The problem, though, is that most people are not even aware of what's taking place. Laura, what is it that we're failing to do? I mean, as journalists and, and making people understand the connection of the dots. I mean, I've been around, you know, it's over two decades that I've lectured about it. And what is it that we're failing at? Because is it willful ignorance or do you think it's the people in Washington, D.C., the fact that we've created by making people, like putting human trafficking into the vernacular, we've created now a cottage industry for NGOs who are not focusing on reducing the numbers? Or is there something we could do as journalists to shift this? Christine, everything that you ever did before the Biden administration came into office is kind of irrelevant at this point, everything anyone did. Because what happened was there was a nuclear shift. And what you, what you had was people who are open border ideologues, okay? They believe in an open border. They came into power in the Obama, in the Biden administration. So they may have had influence. They were working silently through the Soros Foundation, the Open Society Foundation. They were working all over the world. They were working inside the UN and everywhere else. And what they had was their coming out party when Biden got elected. There were a number of hardcore open border ideologues that got into that administration who are not just present, they're running the actual uh, policies of this administration. And what people have failed to recognize, and Jason knows this because he and I have been talking about it from the beginning, they failed to recognize that we no longer live under US immigration policy. We now live under the globalist migration policy, where they, the, one of the symbolically, and one of the first indicators was when the Biden administration banned every border agent, every agency, every law enforcement agency from using the terms illegal immigration. And they pushed instead to migration. Now, that may seem like, well, this is just wordplay, right? Because we don't, we, we want to be kind to people and we don't want to make them feel unwelcome in our country because what did they say? We've got a more humanitarian policy than the last guy. Well, it wasn't just symbolic and it wasn't just being nice. It was actually an indication that the United States government had adopted the migration policy of the globalists where who determined at the UN a few years ago that migration is a human right. And so you cannot say that people are doing something illegal if they have a human right to do what they're doing and they're exercising that human right. And along with that goes the concept that sovereignty, sovereign law, sovereignty over your own body, look at COVID. They said, no, 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 you don't have sovereignty mm -hmm. over your body, sovereignty over your country. No, 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 you don't have a border. We only apply the border when it suits us, but effectively you don't have a border anymore because the policy you're living under was not one voted for by de Democrats. It wasn't voted for by Republicans. And I say this because if you look at the 2020 election cycle, no one asked about immigration. Nobody asked Joe Biden, 
what he was going to be doing about it because they were already, Jason and I were down on the border together. We watched this happen after the election, before the inauguration. They were rebuilding the immigration facilities. They were getting ready mm -hmm. because they knew they were opening the floodgates. And so when I say that, that nothing that you did before mattered, I don't mean it wasn't important. I don't mean it wasn't significant. I just mean that they dropped a nuclear bomb on this country in terms of migration. They obliterated sovereignty. They obliterated ICE. They obliterated Border Patrol. They just turned them into people who change diapers and drive buses and move people. And they literally tied the hands of the DEA. And Jason knows this better than anybody else, because there, honestly, there hasn't been anybody who spent more time down on the border. He did it for more than 20 years as a Texas uh, a DPS officer, which is Department of Public Safety. He ran the cross-border operations center. He's got contacts on the Mexican side, talking to the cartels, and he has been there every single day. There's been nights where he's been living in his little trailer, calling me to ask me, how do I, can I microwave a can of mushrooms? <laughs> in this country do not realize, and they do not understand that whether it's you, Christine, or it's me, or it's Jason, we are bricks in the Grand Canyon because there has been a tsunami unleashed. We're, we're talking more than 10 million encounters since the Biden administration got into power. Okay, that is towns in Texas have been dwarfed. Yeah. We go down to Roma, Texas, it has a population of a few thousand. Forget about it, okay? They've had more than their entire population coming in every single week, if not twice a week. So you you are literally looking at a country that is being annihilated and Republicans and Democrats are complicit. Republicans who try to speak up to it, their voices are drowned out, just like your voice, my voice, Jason's voice. It is, we are in the midst of an invasion which has multiple purposes, but at the end of the day, the United States of America, as we have known it, is on the verge of ceasing to exist, and that is the goal. All right, Jason, I totally agree with you, Laura. Um, but Jason, I want to I transition to, you spoke before Congress in July of this year. And during that testimony, during that hearing, um, the man who, ran, who was chair of the January 6th hearing basically said that the whole hearing was a waste. Benny had said that it was a waste of time. Talk about your experience as somebody who's been in the game now. You're an expert in your field. You see the transitions. You see it morphing from one state to the other. And how you were treated. Because I think it's important for people to know that the people, because I, I, I have said this publicly, I have never seen this level of corruption in the 40 years that I've been in the business. On the oh, yeah. Washington, D.C. 
I, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, I, I, I'm still stunned by it, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. First off, you paid money out of your own pocket to go up there to testify. It was a full committee hearing, and I went there to truly talk about the problems. And Larry will tell you, anyone that knows me, I'm a big believer in that if you see it, you believe it. And that's why I go to the border and I show it, because I don't have to sell the border. It sells itself. It's horrible what's happening to people down there. And I stood up there and I held in my hand a story that I had broken February of 21 of wristbands that are being put on men, women, and children. I held them up and I said, what you are really witnessing here is America's new slave trade. And it's the adjustment from human smuggling into the trafficking of men, women, and children through debt bondage by the cartels, by the alien smuggling organizations and the Halcon network working side by side with long haul smugglers globally. And that I was trying to truly warn them, you know, and to stay partisan, to not get involved left, right, just mere facts. And I had uh, one of the Congress uh, women come after me because the Texas Department of Public Safety, with whom I used to work for in 2016, prior where I retired from, had been trying to stop the cartels from moving hundreds and hundreds of people at a time, at a time three miles from the closest port of entry. And so she came at me and said that she wanted an investigation done because these men and women were throwing children and people into the river, killing them. That's literally what she said. And uh, quoting a Houston, Sheila, Sheila Jackson said that. Yeah, Sheila Jackson. And quoting a Houston Chronicle article, totally fictitious. Well, what they all didn't know is I had just left there. I had been the only reporter on the ground right there where those accusations were made. And I absolutely eviscerated her on national television. And I, I, I say that to you because no one is taking up, and I shouldn't say no one, very few are taking up for the men and women who are still fighting for us. Very few. Because they look, look on one hand, Lara knows this better than anyone. Look on one hand, how many of the 18,000 police chiefs, directors, commissioners stand on the national stage on a daily basis and truly tell the American people what's really happening. You mostly look at retired guys. Tom Holman, retired. Derek, Derek Maltz, retired. Jason Jones, retired. And, uh, uh, you know, I, and I shake my head because it, we are, what Lara said is absolutely right. We were up against a global threat that truly believes that there should be no borders and they are winning. And the American public needs to understand and be very open and very clear that there is a immigration industrial complex that is real and is driving this. And look, we're seeing it and get ready, America. And I have said this and I will say it again and again. All you have to do is look at what is happening in Mexico to wonder what is coming here and what is here because it's coming. And I can tell you there are there have been some murders recently of law enforcement officers that are about to come out that I can't talk about publicly yet. But when Americans find out how integrated these cartels are in committing heinous crimes against some of our public officials, they're going to be stunned at what's coming out. And Christine, I just want to say the other part. Jason and I have both witnessed Border Patrol agents going into the river over and over and over again. He's seen it more than I have because he's down there a lot more than me. But they rescue people all the time. This idea, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just like the the level of outrage that some, can I say asshole on your show? Yes, you can. All right. Some asshole <laughs> journalist is telling some asshole in Congress about something that's happening and they know nothing. 
They know mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. They're getting snippets of information from somewhere and they're trying, what they're essentially doing is trying to paint the border patrol as these heartless kind of mercenary, uh, militant sort of evil people. When on a, on a daily basis, what border patrol agents are doing, even when they're not on baby duty and kid duty, these people are traumatized. Look at the suicide rates and look at the recruitment rates for the border patrol. It's because they're jumping into the river time and time and time and time again, pulling people out of the river. And it's got to the point where when the National Guard is down there assisting, they have orders from the border patrol. Okay, find out how many kids, how many women and children are coming across so that we know how many we have to rescue. We know how many we have to take care of. And when the when the National Guard did this one night, when a bunch of, of people who call themselves reporters who really aren't, when they were down there and they uh, saw these National Guard soldiers reaching out to the cartel and saying, hey, how many you got, how many women, how many children? They said they accused the National Guard as being complicit. They right. accused the National Guard as being uh, trafficking children. So you've got people in Congress and you've got people in the media who are quite happy to believe that people in uniform in the United States are trafficking kids and working with the cartels. When if you look at the rescues, you look at the amount it, it is. I've spoken to many of these agents who tell mm -hmm. me I'm a father. OK, I'm from Mexico. I'm from Guatemala. I'm from a home like that. I was poor like that once. My family came like that once. These people feel very much for the people that they're helping, right? They have medics on standby. They do everything they possibly can. But we have turned the Border Patrol Agency into a temporary daycare center whose job is to hand over kids to Health and Human Services, whose job is then to farm them out as quickly as possible, get rid of all liability, get rid of all responsibility and send these kids all over the country to God knows where. And you can talk to people like Tara Rodas, who's one of the most credible whistleblowers that we have ever seen in the history of this country. Jason knows this. I know it. We know other people who've been investigating it. They're sending kids to homes. Unaccompanied minors are supposed to come to this country so they can be reunited with their parents and their families who are right. already here. That is not true and it's not happening. Most of those kids are disappearing and no one knows mm -hmm. where they're going. So you have people in power who say that they care, they have a more humane policy. What they have, Christine, they've set up a global system. Immigration today is a weapon of war like no other. It's the equivalent of a tank and, and a drone and an F-16 fighter jet. It is being used to take over countries and to alter the world and the power structure in the world as we know it. And the key victims and instrument of that, we are feeding into a global system of human trafficking that is allowing, you know, we always had pornography. We always had, you know, sort of uh, terrible things happening in, when it comes to kids and dark, evil things that people were doing. But what no one is acknowledging is that technology 
has lifted that and put that on a scale, a global scale that is unlike anything we've ever seen before. So when Jason says, I've never seen it that way, this is why, because we have a system where people are doing this globally and we have proliferated. When people find that they're not alone, some guy isn't sitting in his parents' basement, you know, trying to figure out how to lure some little kid away from their family. Oh no, now he can order 100, 200, 300 live rapes. You've got people participating in live rapes, dictating, well, I want them to do this and I want them to do that, who are cutting children's veins in certain ways so that when they rape, they get maximum blood, if that's the thing that you're into. You know, and I won't go into all the other horrific things that they're doing. But we literally, in this country today, we don't just have a border problem, we don't just have a fentanyl problem. The, the fentanyl and the drugs are another weapon of this war. They feed this dark net they feed this, what they call sadistic pornography. They feed the trafficking. Jason said it to me once. You never find trafficking without its best friend, which is narcotics. So you are looking at administrations globally pushed by the Open Society Foundation and a plethora, what they call their affinity groups, this network of groups. They push for the legalization of drugs. They push uh, for the getting rid of borders. They push for the movement of people. And all of it, when you look at it in totality, all of it is designed to create a world in which children are currency. Money is gone. Children and drugs are currency. And these people own it all. And we sit here whether you're in Michigan or somewhere else, you go to a funeral for another person's daughter or son that just died of fentanyl poisoning, and there isn't a word in the media because we effectively yeah. do not have a media today. We just have a massive, massive propaganda organization <laughs> that has, unlike anything we've ever seen before, because when you add the social media and you add the media together, these people reach every corner of the planet. And the last thing I want to say about it is, if you want to know who's in power, who's really in power, who's really in control, ask yourself this, who owns this device? Who owns that surveillance device you call a phone? Who owns the undersea cables along which that data moves? Who stores that child pornography in 150 countries? Ericsson, who owns the towers, right? There's no cloud, Christine. These pictures of child porn, they're not disappearing into the air. They're being held in databases and server farms in the Nevada desert all over the world. They're being in Colorado, they're inside, they're inside secure facilities. Hell, in Barcelona, Google even got an old uh, cathedral and they created a massive data farm inside there massive, massive infrastructure to support the technology that is controlling it all. Because those wristbands that Jason's talking about, the only difference between those wristbands and the star, the, the Jewish star that the Nazis made the Jewish people wear in the Second World War is that one co connects to a database and can be accessed globally at any time and never leaves you. And the other one can be ripped off and burned that's it, right? That's what you're talking about. We are creating a global worldwide system where people are the currency 
Money is going to be a thing of the past. And people like the World Health Organization and the United Nations who are dictating what policy should be in the United States of America. Look at their language. They talk about the global human right of people to migrate. And just for kicks, they've thrown climate change in there as the justification for the movement of people and the justification to take away farms, agriculture, and everything else so that we have no choice but to eat the scraps that they throw from their table. We are in a very, very serious situation, and nothing captures that more than the, the southern border and what's happening there, what Jason is bearing witness to every single day at great personal cost. All right, let me, let me go to a commercial, and then coming out of that, Jason, I want to go back to you and ask you some questions about the history of this, of the turning point of this. Okay, we're back with uh, Laura Logan and uh, Jason Jones. And um, Jason, I remember when uh, Ray Kelly's people brought me in on the inside of the ICE Cybercrime Lab, and this would have been May of 2000. And I had never been in a chat room. And they pretended to be a 12 or 13-year-old little girl. Her name was Heidi. And I saw within a nanosecond, hi, hon, how are you? Are you alone? And that was, a, that was a pivotal point for me because this was a pervert who was in a chat room named for fathers and daughters, and he was looking for little girls, all right? Now we have, and, and during that time period when I first started uh, investigating human trafficking, I was educated um, by the traffickers about the travel agencies where you would pay extra money to go overseas to Cambodia, Thailand, or Costa Rica, and you could have an escort. But on the travel agencies, they were just pictures of kids. So, that, so the pedophiles would know that if they booked themselves on those travel agencies, that they, were, that they actually could, could buy a child for what we call sex tourism, all right? We saw the iPhone created. And I and um, my colleagues and I created a commercial in Europe, and it was an animated commercial about giving children iPhones, and it was in the the back pockets of the pants, and it morphed into a hand grabbing the behind of a child because that was the iPhone was now going to grip a child. That's over 15 years ago. And Verizon here in the United States was offering to their clients in the last decade, child porn, themed child pornography movies, okay? All legal because they used actors and actresses that were of age, but that was the theme sort with very, very hardcore names about banging daddy and things like that. When you're looking at the border today, and that has to do with the sex side, and we also know that there's more labor involved. We also know there's an overlap between labor and sex and trafficking. What is it that you would like to say that you haven't said to the American public from a law enforcement point of view? Because I wrote years ago, and I still stand by these words, that I think that the law enforcement that I met that are covering human trafficking or any of its fertile grounds, like migration, like border security, you guys are heroes because you see things that you can't erase. It's going to be a good day.
shipping beef this Monday. We do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks, have a good day. Even the guys and gals that work in the cyber crime lab. I mean, when we talk about what we call live stream sex, Laura, which you just referred to, taking directions, there was a, there was a case in 1998 out of California called Operation Cathedral. And that, that went to 130 countries. So all of this isn't new to me. On steroids, it is. Uh, but I also know that one of the LGBT+, plus, the plus stands for decriminalizing pedophilia, because I infiltrated uh, a minor attractive persons conference in September of 2019 in Maryland. One of my colleagues and I got in. It was open to therapists, and she was a, she was a board member of a mental health, and I said, sign us up. So I've seen this firsthand, that there are people out there that live among us that want to decriminalize pedophilia. And they yeah, want to I, I, an accepted sexual orientation. Let me tell you what I, what I just saw. And I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. I sent it to Larry as soon as I finished the interview. I sat down with Lieutenant Chris Oliver. Larry knows the lieutenant very well. Um, she's interviewed him many times. And... I got to talking to him because right when I was arriving, a Texas highway patrolman in Kinney County, Texas, stopped a Tango Blast gang member who was transporting a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old completely unaccompanied, along with some several other illegals. And when he stopped them, all the illegals took off running. He ended up fighting one. He captured the Tango Blast gang member. And as he opened the back door, there's a seven-year-old child and a nine-year-old child. You know where they were going? California. He was on the way to take them first to Pasadena, Texas, where he was from. So he was, they were under his care, custody, and control. And so I sat down with the lieutenant and began talking to him. And what I found is that in the last two and a half years, the Texas Department of Public Safety under Operation Lone Star doing this border surge that they're under have rescued over 900 children. I want to say that again real quick and kind of put and that young, in perspective. Oh, Listen, not just young children. Children showed up with no family and literally a piece of paper with a phone number on it and a name. Lara knows this very well from good friends of ours within Border Patrol who are dealing with it daily. And then what happens is once they cross the border, they're in the hands of these smugglers and these traffickers, just like this Tango Blast gang member, who, who by the way, is a tier one gang in the state of Texas because they affect multiple regions. They uh, employ juveniles and they work side by side with the Mexican cartels. But to say to me on the air. And I asked him, not only did they rescue over 900, one agency, by the way, of 2,600 in the state of Texas, over 18,000 in this country, and one agency doing war operations have rescued over 900. Where I'm going with that is it shows you this massive shift that's taking place. So when you talk to me about what we saw virtually 25 years ago, domestically today, because of these policies, that child is now readily available physically. And that's why I was trying to illuminate that interview and the, the just bring in a lot of the videos because I, I'm a firm believer if you see it, you feel it in your heart and that's how we make change. And that's the reason to go to the border every other week. That's why I have these bags under my eyes because I'm still trying to recover from last week. But I will tell you, this is real. This it's is very order. real and the, the country better strong. get ready. It was a very strong interview that you did with Chris. Thank and you. I actually um, posted that interview. I would urge people to go to your site, uh, to Jason Jones and Trips and Triggers and try to find it or 
to see it on Newsmax, because I know you do a lot of your stuff on Newsmax, or it's on my site. I reposted it because <clears throat> it was. Yeah, that's true. We'll repost it. We will um, repost What's that, Christine? I said we will repost that interview, Jason. Yeah, right. and and it was it was really distressing, and it reminded me of something that um so another border patrol agent that Jason and I both know. I I actually met him through Jason. He said something to us one night, and uh, we'd known him for a while. And he said to me, "Ma'am, I don't understand why you never ask me what keeps me up at night." And I said, well, because it's such a cliche question, you know, I hate asking that. And he said, well, I want you to ask me. And I said to him, okay, what keeps you up at night? And he said, my job, I was an interrogator in the United States Army. And my job in the Border Patrol is to sit with these families and ask them questions and observe and figure out who is really a family and who isn't. And he said, and all I can think about at night when I'm lying there is what if I get it wrong? I am this child's lost hope. And that is literally why they made a big deal under Trump about the chain link fences that Border Patrol had. Those fences were chain link because they wanted to be able to see through them. They wanted to observe and watch people, make sure that a father who said he was a dad knew how to change a diaper, that he, that that child, actually that baby wanted to go to him and be in his arms, that they fed that child. You know, the normal, there are very, very significant, very ordinary, very normal indicators for people in order for you to know if they're a real family or not. You know what happened to his job, Christine? when Biden came into office, they got rid of it. They got rid of all the people on the United States border, in Border Patrol, whose job was to figure out if children were being trafficked or they were really with their families. Some of these kids get recycled and they come in again and again and again. And we no longer have the ability to track that because the open border ideologues and I will say, okay, I'm an emotional person. The evil psychopaths inside this administration got rid of those jobs because they don't want us to know. They got rid of those jobs because they wanted to push as many kids through as possible without any regard for who was related and who wasn't. They got rid of those jobs because they don't care about reuniting kids. That's why they farm it out to NGOs and Catholic charities and so on. And then they wash their hands of it and they say, it's no longer our problem. And let me tell you that if you, I would urge people to look up Tara Rodas because this is a woman who was a Democrat. She was working, she still works in the inspector general's office. She's got a highly credible position. She volunteered because the federal government often puts out, you know, bulletins calling people from other uh, parts of the government to come and help. And she went and helped. And she's got story after story after story of caseworkers coming to her and saying, I have a 14 year old boy in diapers from being raped so many times on his journey to the United States. I don't know what to do. I can introduce you through America's future to another woman in Florida 
who has worked in counter-trafficking for more than three decades, who's rescuing kids on the streets who are begging her to get them deported. Because what people don't realize, mm -hmm. we've painted, we have this fantasy that everyone coming over the southern border wants to come to America because they're coming to a better life. It's I not call it the, it's, it's called the myth of the West. The myth of it's, the West. Yes, but it is not a better life if you are being trafficked, if you are being raped every single day, if you are living in some factory and shoved in a house where you're raped at night and you use that slave labor all day, or you're pregnant and you're being still being raped. What you do to these children, I interviewed two girls in a place in Mexico, a small town in Mexico. They were being trafficked at the time. It was one of the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I had to know that when they stood up at the end of that interview, their pimp was in the next room and he was going to take them right back. And they were going to be raped again that night and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And it never, ever ends. And I asked them, would you, would you want to come to the United States of America? And these girls both, that was when I saw fear in their eyes, right? I mean, they're being raped. They're being beaten, they're being taken from their families. That broke their hearts, but it didn't cause fear. And what I saw was absolute terror. And they both said, no, 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 in Spanish. No, 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 no. And I said, why not? And they said, because the girls who go there, they never come back. America is where you go to die. And I will end with this. One of our friends, Vaz, a guy who's been doing counter-trafficking for decades now, since the 90s, he said to me once in a conversation, trafficking kids is how you murder a child right. without killing them. And we mm -hmm. are murdering children on an industrial scale that has never, ever, ever happened in the history of this nation. And we're doing it under the pretense and the deceit that this is a more humane policy. And we're not just enabling it here, we are enabling it all over the world because as the number one destination now for sex trafficking, they're taking girls, as Jason said, from 156 countries. They're taking them from everywhere they can find them. They go onto the streets, they tell poor families, we're gonna make your daughter a star, or they go into a gas a, a train station and while someone's sleeping on the ground with their kids next to them, they grab that child and half a second, they pull up next to a group of kids on a street in Guatemala, and that kid, they, the car pulls up, the doors open, the kid is thrown inside. I don't think people have any idea what we're doing, how you in good conscience can live in the United States of America today and pretend that none of this is happening and vote again for the people who have turned this into an industrial scale, global yeah. industry, then shame on you is all I can say. Absolutely shame on you. It is, it, it's extraordinary. Jason, I want you to share with the audience um, about what happens to the ranchers in Texas. And what yeah, they I call me. Property. I call them the abandoned Americans. I really do. I've interviewed, I can't tell you how many at this point. And, you know, there, there was one that I interviewed in just outside of Eagle Pass, Texas. She had 19 at hundred. I want to say this again, 1900 
apprehensions in two days on her property. And what happens as a result of that, that Americans, if you don't watch certain news networks or social media, you have no idea it's taking place. When they, when they cross, they cross through the river, they get wet. So what they have to do is they have to shed their clothing because they'll chafe. So they leave these what we call debris fields. In some of the most beautiful country along the southwest border, you will see these massive debris fields of trash up to my knee because they have to shed their clothing and put dry clothing on before then running through the brush. And these Americans have absolutely been abandoned. There's one, that's one aspect of it. Now let me give you another one. Let me take you 67 miles north of the southern border, um, just outside of Falfurious, Texas, where ranchers are dealing with bodies being found. And, you know, Lara knows this very well in Brooks County, Texas, where these people are not only being found because it's extremely hot there, there's no airflow, they die. But there's a whole other side of it as well. These smugglers will abandon these children or abandon these people if they get, a, if they get injured, if they get hurt from cactus. Everything bites and everything stings down there. They abandon them. And so these ranchers are left finding dead children, finding kids all the time, hanging on for their life. And, you know, this is a story that hasn't been told to the American people to the scope and degree that it's happening. And I'll just close with this and I'll say this, that of all the things we've talked about here today, there is a common nexus and a common synergy between the Mexican cartels and all of these groups conducting these things. Now, domestically, we're going to have a whole lot of other issues. But if you want to take the biggest bite out of this threat stream that we're dealing with, it is the core of this is the cartels. Because everything we've discussed from the smuggling, the trafficking, the extortions, the money laundering, the, the weaponization of fentanyl, and the, the overdose death crisis really poisonings in this country, it has a nexus. And that nexus is the cartels. And so what needs to happen and what we can do and absolutely will get accomplished is we're going to build a global unified command of the best of after them for what they have done. And I will tell you, once we get the terrorism designation or at least the authorities to leverage tools of national power, that is where we limit their mobility globally. We can remove these cartels from our country very rapidly, very quickly, because most of them are here on visas. We can revoke them. I don't have to work a two-year case on them, get them out of our country. And then third, go after their money real time. You know, you always hear this term about, um, you know, we're going to conduct, follow the money investigations. Well, no shit. We've been doing that for 20 years. The problem that the American public's not told is that under the Fourth Amendment, our system moves very slow and they are investigations. If we're working outside the United States and working against terrorists, we have now the authorities to go after their assets real time. That's right. We get we get these things. We bring the best of the best into this game and we are absolutely going to end them for what they have done to so many American families, so many Mexican families and so many people globally. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm 7 years into this. We are Oops. We lost I know, what, I know what Jason is going to say there because we've talked a lot about this. He has been working very, very, very hard to have the cartels designated as uh, foreign terrorist organizations. Which and they should the, be. They should yes, be. and the, the biggest obstacle that he had, Christine, was that people would say, well, you know, terrorists need a political agenda, right? They need to be willing oh, no. to take power. And what you've seen in Mexico, actually, <clears throat> over the years is a rising number of politicians who have been murdered by the cartels. 
And that's because what they've been doing is essentially installing the politicians that will do their bidding. So they have a narco state that is run by the cartels, but they do mm -hmm. it deceptively, right? They don't have to be the ones in power. So what happened when AMLO, the cousin, current president of Mexico, when he took power? Well, he went and um, he went and met with El Chapo, right? And he. And he I gotta go. Sorry, sorry I was Chapo. late for a hit. Y'all take no, care. No, that's I gotta okay. Go. That's okay, Jason. Thank sorry, you. I got you, Jason. So what happened, Christine, is that AMLO went and embraced the cartel members and embraced um, um, uh, El Chapo's mother. I believe it was El Chapo, not El Mentro's mother. And he said that what the cartels need is hugs, you know, and not bullets. And so what you what you have effectively in Mexico is a narco uh, state where the cartels are not stupid. They don't want to be running the government, going sitting at meetings at the UN and worrying right. about social security and this kind of stuff, right? They just want absolute control to do whatever it is that they want to do. And so, and I agree with Jason on that point. My concern is that the cartels do not operate with this level of freedom without having relationships with the governments of the day. That's right. I mean, the DEA is pretty much effectively, there's guys there still doing whatever they can but they don't have the backing of their bosses and the authorities, right? And they don't have the backing of the authorities because they stand with the open border ideologues. They stand with the globalists. And this is happening all over the world. Now, it's not a done deal because as you see what's happening, when people know the truth, they really do stand up and they really do object. The problem is, what we are looking at is our information has been siloed, right? So there's an organization called Facts First USA. I don't know how familiar you are with that particular group, but you know all the players behind it, Christine. You've been mm -hmm. dealing with them for years, and so have I. It is, mm -hmm. it is founded by none other than David Brock, right? Mm -hmm. And David Brock, after running Media Matters for America, um, and then taking over crew, Citizens for Ethics and Responsibility for a while. These organizations, Media Matters for America is a propaganda organization who functions right. effectively as, uh, as a professional hit organization, just assassinating any politician and any journalist that gets in the way of their radical progressive agenda. David Brock, once he'd set that up and got itself running, then he moves on, right? He creates Act Blue, which means that anyone on the left and any leftist organization, anyone who wants to run for office on the left, you have to fundraise through Act Blue. And there's all kinds of caveats involved in that. Like if you don't say specifically which organization you want the money to go to, it reverts to them. If the, the organization doesn't collect that money in a certain period of time, it reverts to them. So he's got a good system set up for stealing every grassroots dollar in existence. And then what he does at Crew, when he creates the strategy to defeat Trump, he, he uses Crew as the legal arm, right? With a guy called Norm Eisen, one of the co-founders there. And they use that to target Trump with, an, uh, with, a, uh, with a lawsuit. Every single thing he does, they plan this before Trump even takes office. And it worked, right? Every narrative you ever heard about Trump was planned in advance, whether it was the Deutsche Bank scandal or his kids are corrupt 
or his businesses are corrupt and so on and so on. They had figured out those narratives before Trump even raised his hand to become president. And now David, oh, in between, by the way, they created the 65 Project, um, which is an organization that basically punishes attorneys if they take an election integrity case. And it right. says they punish them for, you know, for pushing misinformation and subverting democracy and, you know, all the typical labels that they like to put on all of that. But we know what they're doing. They're making sure no lawyer will take a case. And this is the last part. David Brock now runs Facts First USA. I would urge everybody to go and look at Facts First USA because their mission statement is to make sure that what you are doing, Christine, what I am doing, what Jason is doing, that it all stays within a bubble. And inside that bubble, right, we are just heard by other people that are sympathetic or open-minded or agree with us, but that we never go outside of that bubble and reach people across the mainstream or on the left, because that way they can keep us geographically isolated and ideologically isolated. And that's their goal. As long as they can keep us all isolated so we don't realize and utilize our collective power, then people on, say, who read the New York Times will never know the reality of what we discussed today, right? People who watch CBS and NBC and ABC, they will never understand the reality because they're CD media, what's that? Laura Logan, she's crazy. They've got, an, they've got this figured out. And if people don't, uh, well, here's, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. And this, and I say this is knowing David Brock from when he, when he wrote the books about the Clinton. Camp. The book said, then said he lied about everything. Right. And then he lied later and apologized to Bill Clinton. And then he was brought in and media matters, yeah. you know, gave birth. And, and then he became a darling of the democratics. And, and, and also when Trump was elected president, he immediately had a meeting down in um, Florida to raise a boatload of money, okay, to create all kinds That's of That's the meeting I'm talking about where he presented the strategy to donors That's and right. then he went on and implemented that strategy. That's which true. Which included, but here's, by the but way, taking over Facebook. But he, here's the difference. David Brack needs to know, and a lot of those lawyers that they've hired that I knew Okay, in Washington D.C., when I was when I worked for four networks, the difference is they're all vulnerable. They're all vulnerable because they are complicit in harming children if they continue with this matter. Because any government, and I've said this publicly from from Europe to Australia, if you have a policy, and it doesn't matter whether you're on the left or the right. But if you have a foreign policy or a domestic policy that results in the abuse of children, that's not a leader. And anybody who goes along with that is complicit in child abuse. It's just like what happened when I investigated the Catholic Church and they said first it was denial, then it was dismissive, then they wanted to damage somebody's reputation, then they were gonna defame you. Okay, they were gonna make you out to be crazy, but at the end of the day, I'm the journalist that got the documents going back to the third and the sixth century. And so when they said in 2002, when Boston was imploding, we didn't know anything about it. Then why did you have documents going back centuries? Why did you have documents going back 45 right. years? Why did you have cases filed at the Office of Congregation of the Faith? The difference of what they're doing today politically here, Laura, is 
we're older, we're wiser, we're more fearless. And you know what? They are complicit in crimes against humanity. That's well, the and, difference. And, and Christine, we're nearing the end game here because mm -hmm. the borders are being dismantled. We That's are right. living under globalist policies, not ones we voted for. You know, right. so, <clears throat> and people can see it all around them. It's on a scale now where you just, you cannot keep quiet. You cannot stand by and doing anything. It's in your home. If your mm -hmm. kid is on TikTok and YouTube and any of these other apps, right. it is in your home. They are being groomed right now, today, and every day. And they're spending more time with their groomers than they are with you as their parents and as their family. And I do want to say one other thing, Christine. Uh, finally, Elon Musk is suing David Brock and Media Matters. Well, I don't know if he's suing David Brock, but he's suing Media Matters. I hope he does. He's got to go after the board and he has to go after each of these people personally to make a dent. Well, it is, you know, these people have an enormous amount of money. They have tortured so many people for so many years now. They have had the balance in their favor because they have information dominance. They, are, <clears throat> they get up in the morning and their job, they're paid to think of ways to destroy people like you and me. And this has to stop. These are, these are really bad. I, I hope Elon Musk turns it into a Gawker case. Because <laughs> I remember when Peter Thiel went after Gawker? I mm. do. I mm. do. But I hope it's bigger than that. I hope he dismantles the entire network because they've got it sewn up. You know, they have the affinity networks. They have crew going after it with legal action. They have the 65 Project intimidating and terrorizing any attorney into not taking any case that uh, questions any election. They have uh, the Sunrise Movement in the schools, teaching mm -hmm. kids how to build a movement, which is right. training to be an activist because they come out of a school and college and what do they do? They're professional activists. They're flooding the streets and pushing for the legalization of narcotics because that's how they fuel these movements. They fuel them with drugs. You know, mm -hmm. they have Momentum, which is the organization that teaches everybody how to create their own movement so they can build and grow the affinity networks. They have, I mean, Indivisible, which is the political arm that goes into small conservative communities and um, brings in candidates, right, that are radical progressive candidates. If you look around your town and you suddenly find, wait a minute, I thought I lived in, you know, rural Ohio, but suddenly there's all these, you know, LGBT people here. They're not there because they thought that your town in rural Ohio was the best place to live. Somebody's paying them to move there. Somebody's paying them to be there. Somebody's paying them to take over your local city council and your school boards, you know, and your local DA and your local sheriff's office and so on. These things are not happening by accident. And right. people need to wake up and see. And the southern border is a physical representation of that. But it is imploding across America. And people all over the world are dealing with these issues. And the food supply is next. Well, let, let's that's for another show. Let's talk about what, where we're going to be on um, December eighth uh, and 9th. Okay, we're going to be in Michigan. Jason, you, myself, Tara Rhodes. Who else is going to be on the? <coughs> pardon me, on the panel. 
Well, that's a very good question. We have we have a wonderful local guest because I'm just going to pull this up here so we can see it. Um, okay, we have uh, yourself and Jason, as you said, and then we have uh, Tara Lee Rodas, and Tara is quite formidable. I mean, yes. this woman, she's, yes. she's impressive because most whistleblowers, they just get to fire them, dump them, push them aside, do whatever they want, right? Most whistleblowers are not protected in spite of the, the legal protections and so on. But Tara was working in the Inspector General's office. She has a long career. She's very well respected, very senior position. And she went and volunteered. And she's a Democrat. And she was horrified when she saw that, in her words, the United States government of today, the Biden administration, is participating in the trafficking of children. And right. she has got one person after another after another, who are, a lot of them are left-wing activists, who also volunteered to help. And what did they do? They, they're horrified. They're coming to her in tears because mm -hmm. they realize what's going on and it's not coming out. So our purpose of doing participating in American First is basically to hold these seminars across the country, go into communities and educate them. And Michigan yes. was chosen. It's got, what's the name of the church it's going to be hosted at, Laura? It, it is going to be hosted at the, um, I have this right here on the flyer. I just read it to you. So it's yeah, the American it's first. And by the way, there's um, just while I find that there's one more person who's on the panel <clears throat> who is involved in the training. It's at the Grace Christian Church, which is on Van Dyke Avenue in Sterling Heights, Michigan, Grace Christian Church. And um, I just want to point out, Christine, that there is one other person on the panel. This is someone I've known for many, many years. And he is, I don't know if you can see his picture there if it's visible, <clears throat> but <clears throat> yes, his name is Boz. Boz has been involved in the counter-trafficking movement since the 90s. He is very low-key, uh, very under the radar, very quiet guy. Um, his extraordinary wife, Tina, who will be involved in the training as well, is an attorney. And uh, between the two of them, they've done things that are unimaginable to most. I mean, one day, mm -hmm. my dream, if I ever get to tell their story um, and tell it honestly, but Tina has literally walked up to the door of cartel members and said to them, give me that girl, please. I'm mm -hmm. begging you, give me that girl. And they told her no and no and no. And she's gone back and gone back until like the fifth time, they actually said, okay, take her. And there's something angelic about this woman. And Boz has got that, he has the wisdom that comes from decades of doing this. He has seen some truly horrific things, both abroad and in the United States. And they know what to look for. They are very involved in teaching communities, um, of, you know, what the signs are, things to recognize, things that you can do. But I mean, they're dealing with things for seeing like, wait, you know, I don't know if people are familiar with a Faraday cage, right? You have to put your phone in a Faraday cage or your, your computer if you don't want somebody to be spying on you. Well, they've been working on Faraday cages for an entire vehicle, right? Because these girls are being chipped now by the cartels. So mm -hmm. even when they escape, they're still being tracked. 
Now, I, I don't know how far they, they got with that. Um, I know they were looking at a lot of other things, but the point here is that the cartels have endless amounts of money. If there's mm -hmm. technology out there that they can use, they are using it. And we better wise up to the dark side of technology and how it can be misused and start putting some controls on this because at the end of the day, we can all be chipped and they can trace all of us and there can be no escaped, escape for any of us. And this is very, very real. People who think it's not real, they're delusional. And the, they're, honestly, the, there's, there's time to deal with this, the time to fix it, to get control over it. It's not infinite. We don't have that's endless true. amounts that's, of time. That's true. That's true. So this is the, this is, uh, you've done several of these seminars with America First. This is the one that's coming up in December, but there's other ones, you know, in 2024 across America. Um, and you're going to be moderating these, these, uh, and, but it's a two day event. With, so there is, there's going to be kind of Mike Smith's new documentary as well as a oh, panel yes, of the guests on it. And then there's mm -hmm. going to be trainings the following day. And so we will, yeah. we will be putting up when we post this interview, we'll be putting up the, um, the details of this for the, for the church. Yes. There's a first responders training program. Uh, followed by uh, Inhospitable to Human Trafficking Program, Overcome Seminar Training with Purpose, and then the movie will be shown, um, and then the Parents and Caring Adults Program, Unexpected Health Crisis, Human Trafficking and Healthcare, and then Fight Child Sex Trafficking Comprehensive Equipping Course. That will be run from March 11th to 16th. So that's a course that you can sign up for if you're, you know, if you're interested in what happens and you want to know more. And I, mm -hmm. I want to stress that this is for teachers. This is for first responders. This is for police officers. This is for parents. This Dennis, is for kids. Nurses, for kids, doctors. For yes. journalists. Mm -hmm. Yes. For mm -hmm. journalists. This is, this is to say we have a real issue. It affects the most vulnerable of all who are children. It affects you if you have grandchildren, if you have your own children, if you think you want children, or you want to help your friends, right? Because mm -hmm. this is for kids to be empowered in how to protect themselves and other kids. All right, Laura, thank you so much. All right, I will see you in Michigan in a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, have a happy Thanksgiving with your family and friends. Thank you so much, Christine. You are one of the best. Your oh, knowledge sorry. and your perspective and your history that you bring to this is invaluable. So I don't, I can't think of a better panel, right, for people. I mean, Jason is full time on the border. Boz is full time decades in in counter trafficking. You've been inside Interpol and all these places that nobody else has even seen. Um, and then we have our local uh, survivor who can talk about what she's doing uh, locally. Um, and then Tara can show us how the government side ties in mm -hmm. with the border and everything else. I mean, um, this, is, this is pretty it's extraordinary. A, it's a great panel. It's going to be a great panel. And, and this is not to, it, we, we will be talking about the northern border too, even though it's yeah, less yeah, numbers right. than four, but that that's will right. be included in the conversation when we're there in Michigan. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. Till then. Thanks. All right. Bye. See you soon. Bye.